0: You would please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, this is God's Word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights In the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living and moving thing with which the water teems, according to their kinds, every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, And every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Uh, Pastor Wood, you read over into chapter 2 again today. You did that last time. You did it again today. You're getting into chapter 2. Yeah, well, it's hard not to get into chapter 2. Because chapter 2 is where the conclusion of chapter 1 is, which we just read. And then you get a second account of the creation of man. Male and female. And the account in chapter 2, which we'll look at, God willing, next time, is, is a little different than the account in chapter 1. Oh, is that a contradiction in the Bible? Not at all. No contradiction. Just like in the Gospels, we read about there being two men who were blind in one Gospel, and in another we read about one man who was blind. It seems to be the same event, but why does it talk about two in this one and talk about one in the other? Well, I could tell you that yesterday up at my house, my grandson Titus was there, and I could tell you about what happened with Titus and so forth. It was all fine. Or I could tell you about the fact that yesterday at my house, Titus and his two sisters were there. Now, would that be a contradiction? Of course not. One, I'm focusing on Titus. The other one, I'm talking about all three who were there. I could completely skip the fact that they were there and tell you that the CEO of the ranch, Clayton Wood, was at my house late in the afternoon yesterday. I thought uh, Mr. Andrew's children were at your house yesterday. Well, they were but right now I'm talking about Mr. Clayton. Oh, same day? Yes? Okay, so not a contradiction. No, not a contradiction at all. Chapter 2 of Genesis is not going to contradict anything in chapter 1. But it does explain some more things. And speaking of explaining things, it is very important for us to try and understand What is the point of the story? What is it that God is answering when He tells us what He tells us in this passage? When I was a teenager, one of the illustrious speakers who came to Montreat, North Carolina to speak to us was Dr. J. Edwin Orr. J. Edwin Orr had more degrees than a thermometer. He had multiple doctorates. He had written enough books that if you stacked them up, the stack would be taller than his height. Now, truth in advertising, he wasn't a very tall man. (laughs) He was, in fact, notably short. But still, most people don't write a book. Those who do generally don't have a stack of them, much less scholarly works, which his were. He was a famous scholar and teacher, and revivalist. His main focus in his study was the history of revival. And if you ever want to go on YouTube and watch some J. Edwin Orr material, it's it's worth it. He's good. He asked a question, though, and then gave two answers when he was speaking to us, and it, it stuck with me. I've not forgotten what he said. I think it's important. And when I teach from Genesis, I typically share what J. Edwin Orr said. So with credit to J. Edwin Orr for this illustration, let me share with you what he told us. He said, I want you to suppose that you're visiting in my home, and all of a sudden, the kettle in the kitchen starts to whistle. And so you ask me, why is the kettle whistling? And I say, well in our home, our kitchen is equipped with an electric stove. And electrical current from the power plant down the road is wired into our home and it comes all the way through the circuit breaker box and into that electric stove in the kitchen. And when the switch is turned on on the stove that current flows into a metal coil that is designed to offer resistance to the current in such a way that it generates heat the heat from that coil is transmitted through the copper bottom of the kettle that is sitting on top of it and in the kettle there's water As the heat goes through that copper bottom, copper being a very good element for transferring heat, not impeding it so much like the burner does. See, the burner's a different kind of metal, and it it resists the current. This just allows the heat to be transferred up into the water. And the consequence is, the water begins to manifest what's called Brownian motion. The molecules of water become excited by the heat that is coming up, and they begin to move. And they move more and more vigorously until finally, some of that liquid H2O is changed into a gaseous state. We call that steam. And the steam requires more room. It builds up pressure inside the top above the liquid water in the Space at the top of the kettle it builds up pressure, and then it begins to force its way out of the opening, which is the little spout that has a lid on it and and as that steam comes out through that opening, the opening is designed uh, in such a way that it splits the column of of gas that is coming out of steam that's coming out and and that sets up vibrations in the air, which our ears Perceive as a whistling sound. All that is true. That is scientifically accurate. But it really probably was not a satisfying answer to the question. He said, now that, that's my answer. He said, but my wife heard your question. And she says, the kettle is whistling because I'm about to make tea. Would you like some? (laughs) Now, who's right, Dr. Orr or his wife? No, actually, in this case, they're both right. But who really answered the question? I'd say Mrs. Orr is the answer I prefer. Yeah. Now, what is Genesis which is inspired by God, designed to tell us. What is it we really want to know? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Is there a purpose? Do I have meaning, or am I just an accident? In Genesis answers that question so powerfully that it has been the means by which people have come to faith in God. Our dear friend Peter Ha, who was here tutoring several summers ago in our school, was taught atheism because he grew up in mainland China. And the official position of the government, and hence of all of the public schools, is that there is no God. That's all superstition, and it'll hurt you if you believe that stuff, and will hurt you if you believe that stuff. You need to know there is no God. That's what he was taught. But as he was pursuing his advanced degree in mathematics, the University of Beijing, which is no small accomplishment, because China has more gifted people than the U.S. has people. (laughs) Understand? And in order for you to get that kind of education in China, you have got to be one of the gifted ones who is more gifted than some of the other gifted ones. And Peter was in the university studying When it suddenly occurred to him, his field was mathematics, it suddenly occurred to him, what am I doing this for? I mean, if there is no God and there is no real meaning in life, why do I care? Why am I knocking myself out? What's the point in living? And so he left. He left the university and he embarked on a quest to find out what's true, what's real, what matters. And early in his journey, someone who found out what he was doing, you know, why are you not in school anymore? Someone who found out what he was up to said, you need to read a Bible. And Peter, thank God, got a Bible and started at the front. (laughs) Began working his way through. Now, I would have recommended he start in John's gospel, but that's because I'm used to dealing more with Western types. He started in Genesis chapter 1. By the time he got through Genesis chapter 3, Peter said, No man could have written this. There must be a God. And now I want to know it. And so he kept reading his Bible, and when he read through the gospel of John, he said, I want to give my life to Jesus. I will follow him as long as I live. This book answers our questions. It tells us what we really long to know if we long for the truth. Sadly, Jesus tells us in John's Gospel... This is the judgment. The light has come into the darkness, and men preferred the darkness because their deeds are evil. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But there are people who are searching, there are people who want to know the truth instead of shut their eyes and shut their ears and try and ignore the evidence. If you want to know the truth, God has revealed it in His Word. And so I want you to see that in this passage that we read again this morning, Genesis chapter 1, what we are told is not all the details about how the land brought forth vegetation or how the land brought forth creatures, living creatures. What we're told instead is that God is the one who made it happen. God said, let there be light. And there was light. You know why? Because everything in the universe was formed at his command. God doesn't just have a lot of power. God has all power. His power is infinite. If I compare my nose to an elephant's trunk, I'd say, you know, the elephant, there's no comparison. If I compare the elephant's trunk to the distance between the earth and the sun, (laughs) there's no comparison. If I compare the distance between the earth and the sun to the breadth of the Milky Way, (laughs) there's no comparison. If I compare the breadth of the Milky Way to the distance that man has been able to calculate in what we know as the universe, there's no comparison. What's your point? You and I can't imagine what infinity means because there's no comparison. God doesn't just have a whole lot of power. God is all power. His power is infinite. I can't really wrap my mind about that. That's because you're finite like me but what i want you to understand is if you imagine the most amazing powerful thing in creation it's 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 nothing compared to god's power so when we read about god doing these things if you find that hard to believe well i Six days, God creating the earth in six days, I just can't see how he could do that. Well, then you're an adult. I'm sorry. You really haven't understood the first thing. Because, you see, if God wanted to create everything in detail in six nanoseconds, that would not be a problem for an infinitely powerful, infinitely wise God. What God says comes to pass. It is... Not hard, if, if I told you, just want you to know everything you see, I mean, everything you see, not just talking about here on campus, I'm talking about in the United States, North America, heck, the Westerns, Western Hemisphere, I did all that. Well, you'd know I was either crazy or crazy enough to think that you're crazy, Right? Because you're not going to believe, I I did it all, because I'm I'm me. I'm a finite creature. But if we're talking about a God, who is the creator of all things, all things, not most stuff or a lot of stuff or most stuff in the last uh, 10 billion years, we're talking about all things. Created by God. That's not a stretch for him. So what we need to understand is what this is telling us over and over. God said this and it happened. God said this and it happened. God said this and it happened. You want to know where everything came from? God. God made everything. And on the one hand, that means we look out at the stars at night and we're just blown away. Amazing. But don't worship the stars. Don't worship the moon. Don't worship the sun. All that is stuff God made, and he made it with a purpose. Ancient people worshipped stuff in creation. They worshipped things. And some of the most popular were the sun, the moon, the stars. God is saying, hey, 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 I made that stuff. You say, well, I, I would not be so foolish as to worship the things like that. And yet, I'll tell you this, we are idol, worshipping people. And Romans 1 warns us that God's wrath is manifested because people instead of worshiping God and giving him thanks are instead worshiping the creation. That's our problem. So no, I I don't I don't I don't worship the sun. Do you worship pleasure? Food? Popularity? Do you worship some person? For some people, it's a political figure. For some people, it is an athlete. For some people, it is a musician. You watch how people behave, and it's very clear this is worship going on. This is worship. They are absolutely devoted. Oh, I had a chance to see them go by. Okay, that's nice. But do you understand? I, I, I brought this up last year, I think. If you really want to get depressed, look at the then and now pictures of celebrities. Okay? This guy who was this tremendous athlete. And, and now they catch a shot of him at the beach, and he looks like the Pillsbury Doughboy. You know, it's just, just amazing. Or you see some absolutely beautifully airbrushed portrait of a woman. She's so beautiful. And then you see her, and you discover what years of tanning will do. She looks a lot like a turtle with a wig. Okay? And and it's like, that's what you worship? It's all passing away. Let me tell you something God is the one to worship, God is the only one to worship. Don't worship the creation, worship the Creator. And what Genesis 1 and 2 tell us is you need to trust him. You need to believe him. And what Genesis 3 is going to tell us is what happened because our first parents didn't. If you want to know why we're in a mess, it's because of what our first parents did. You say, well, I wish I'd been there. Well, you would have done the same thing. Why? Because they did it in innocence. You and I are born with a bent toward doing that stuff. We inherited a sin nature that makes us inclined to do the wrong thing. They didn't even have that. They had absolute freedom to choose good or evil. And they chose evil. They chose evil. Let me say that one more time. They chose evil. And God told them what the consequences would be before they made their choice. And that is, you'll die. And that is exactly what happened. Suddenly they found themselves ashamed, fearful, blaming each other, And even trying to blame God. That is a picture of what spiritual death looks like. God, with whom they had known perfect fellowship, now they're trying to hide from. That is what happens. That is what happens. So, where did it all come from? God made it. There is a pattern here that is important, and that is in the first three days of creation, God was creating spheres of being. In the next three days, God created rulers for each of those spheres. Notice the interesting terminology that God uses to describe the purpose of what he made on day four. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night he also made the stars and god sent set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness what it, what is god saying he's done he's saying having created this sphere of creation i am creating and installing rulers to govern on my behalf. I huh. never thought of the sun as ruling the day. I mean, I've you know, it's, it's certainly true that all day long the sun is a big deal. I mean, you know, it makes an enormous difference. Is it going to be sunny today? I mean, the sun definitely makes a difference. We know that. But I've never thought of it as governing. Well, God said, I want you to understand It was made to rule, and the moon to rule. So are they like animated? I mean, if if we could visit the sun? I'm sorry, I've got to tell you this. When I was a kid, the joke was about the scientists who announced that their space mission was going to be to go to the sun. And the other scientists laughed and said, that's crazy, you'd burn up. They said, no, 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 we're going at night. I mean, see, even little kids know that wouldn't work. But I want you to understand. God says, I put them in the sky to govern. The next day, God made these creatures that are to be on the land. And previously, God had plants on the land. But now God's saying... uh, you guys can eat those. Well, if I were a plant, I would find that deeply offensive. Okay? I mean, well, but the, the creatures rule. Okay? They, they rule the land. The birds, all that stuff. They, they're in charge of this sphere. Huh. But you know what he did the next day? I'm sorry, on the fifth day, he made birds and the fish. And they ruled the sky and the sea. Now, on the sixth day, God put the animals on there, and he's going to give them permission to eat everything. But not each other. That comes later, after the fall, when death has entered the scene. But God said, having made all these things, all these creatures, on the sixth day, He said, beginning in verse 26, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them what? Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God decided, having made these animals, I'm going to make man in my likeness and put him in charge of the whole thing. Humans were created to rule the earth. I've told you before, and I know you're sick of hearing about it, but I I never get sick of telling it. I'm descended from royalty. That woman over there in London that everybody was talking about because she died yesterday. I don't know if you know that. The Queen of England died yesterday. Boy, it's in all the news all around the world. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Not one of you has said, Pastor Wood, I'm sorry to hear about your cousin. (laughs) But it's true, she is my cousin, okay? We're both descended, well, she's dead now, but our ancestry goes back to a common ancestor in Virginia. It's true, well, I thought she was British, she is British. Sometimes the Brits married Americans. And it was her mom who brought that element into the line. Her mom contributed the good genes of my family. Just so you know. Just so you know. Well, why does that matter? It doesn't, really. I just like to trot it out when I can. Well, so what brought it to mind? Just her death? No, the fact that you are descended from creatures designed by God to rule. Humans were designed to rule creation on God's behalf. We were to represent Him, and that is why it is just so frustrating that our first. Parents submitted their will not to God, but to a serpent, to a creature. Oh, but it was the best looking of all the creatures. That means nothing. Just made him better able to seduce our first parents. But the fact of the matter is, we were the ones who were supposed to rule. Now I'll tell you one more thing about that that you need to know. If you have been born again, and your life is now hidden in Christ, you are once again destined for the throne. God says that we will rule and reign with him for eternity. Hallelujah. You mean I become royalty when I'm born again? Absolutely. I'm a child of the king. With Jesus, my Savior, I'm a child of the King. Hallelujah. That guy in Virginia has nothing on me. I don't even know if he was saved. I know a bunch of his descendants were, and a bunch of them weren't. But I know this my status is not guaranteed by my ancestry. It is guaranteed by my Redeemer. He came to rescue nobodies and make us royalty who will rule with him. Revelation chapter 3, he says that he will let those who are faithful, those who overcome, sit with him on his throne, even as he overcame, and was seated on the Father's throne. It is shared sovereignty, shared rule, and it is all by grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that your word is true, and even when there are parts of it that we find challenging and amazing beyond our ability to understand You are true to your word. You keep your promises. And so we bow before you, the one true God. We worship you. We praise you. And we ask that you would rule and reign through us as we say no to selfish desires and sinful lusts. And say yes to your spirit who calls us to take up our cross and follow Jesus. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.